how time dot is like lagged right on 20 so i'm like oh god i have to guess it was coming to get you it was like listen you you thought you could use me it's like almost borderline transphobic how dare time dot is (laughs) i guess (laughs) god Yeah, I haven't gotten to like quote unquote the good part in Genshin Impact yet, so I'm I'm excited. Cause I'm already like enjoying it. Oh, um so I guess I guess this is the podcast. Um so you know how I watch like terrible movies sometimes? Every time you talk to me about a movie, yes. That's very rude. Um Every time week- you've told me we are watching X movie, it's always been a bad one. <laughs> and usually you agree that they're a bad one you only tell me you watch movies if you're watching a bad one <laughs> do you want me to start telling you if i'm watching good movies i'm just making the point that you only ever you only <laughs> talk to me about bad movies so i it is perfectly logical for me to assume that you only watch bad movies <laughs> So, I, I won't go into what's going on here, because I don't think it would make, like, for great radio. Uh, I will simply state that I've been having to take extra care of my wife this weekend, um, because they've been having some trouble. Uh, however, uh, as a result, they had a migraine the other night. So, I decided, uh, I, I, was, on, <laughs> I was on Netflix, uh, and... I noticed they had Scooby-Doo Zombie Island on Netflix, which is a childhood favorite of mine. Um, worth noting, uh, that movie is a bit more racist than I remember, um, as is a good chunk of Scooby-Doo, unfortunately. But I, I took it upon myself to, as they had a migraine and could not look at the television screen... To narrate everything that was going on in the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> um, now, th- this may sound like a juvenile joke. However, 
I have to say, the amount of laughter I got from describing every scene of Sh- Shaggy and Scooby eating as them smoking joints together was pretty good. That tracks. Wow. I- I'm grateful that you know me so well. I just... <laughs> they-, they call him Scooby Dooby Doo for a reason. Let's oh, be Jesus. honest. Nobody else finds weed jokes funny. There's silence here. I'm I'm gonna take that as a no. There is humor in the joke. There was humor in the joke. Um, but our horror did not stop there. Uh, as I decided to watch the 2020 uh, media hit Scoob. That's the that's the one where like a uh, child Shaggy meets baby Scoob, right? Yes. Um, I mean that's how it like starts. Um. So, I actually came away a lot more mixed on the movie than I expected to, because I, I expected, I expected to hate it, um, frankly. Like, I, I, ex- and there's a good chunk of stuff I did not like in that movie, straight up, but, um, what I did not realize is that it's setting up a Hanna-Barbera, like, cinematic universe? Which kind of hurts to say out loud. I don't know which is the most surprising part. The fact that I'm not surprised, or the fact that I feel like I should be sad that I'm not surprised, but I'm not. <laughs> so, they, they cross over... I, let's, let's, let me quickly talk about Scoob 2020. Um... So we may be entering spoilers for Scoob 2020 for any of our listeners. Yeah, for, for anybody who who really, really doesn't want to catch that Scoob lore, uh, you get out now, do, do a flip. Um, you know, just, just, uh, I'll, 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 <laughs> I guess I can, like, put a timestamp. Um, so the movie is a crossover with Blue Falcon, which... I don't have a problem with because Blue Falcon and Dynamo were the best part of the movie. I'm go- I'm gonna put that right in there. Um, what I actually liked about the movie uh, has to do with like a lot of its ideas. Uh, in that like, it so it wasn't a traditional Scooby Doo film in which there's a mystery to be solved per se about like a villain doing bad stuff. It's more like you have a clear-cut villain, which is just Dick Dastardly. They have Dick Dastardly, and it just, like, kind of within the first half hour of the movie is like, ah, this is the villain. Uh, and, like, that's not a huge issue. Um, the mystery this time is actually about Scooby-Doo's identity, and it turns out that he's Alexander the Great's dog's descendant. Okay, yeah. Um, which I, I don't hate, again, I don't, like, hate that it just kind of comes out of nowhere. My, my problem with the movie comes from the fact that they split the gang up, like, right at the beginning of the movie, and then just kind of sideline Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Uh, so all for, the like, best half- characters of this, of this team. They, like, sideline them completely. So it, it turns into a Shaggy and Scooby movie with Blue Falcon and Dynamite, which isn't the worst thing, but also it, like, misses a lot of potential. And there's, like, a reunion scene later on between Shaggy and the gang, 
And it's like, wow, this could have had emotional impact of some sort if we spent any time with these guys as a, as a gang. Because, like, right at the beginning of the movie, it's like, ah, we're adults now. We're a gang. We've gone on mysteries together. And then Simon Cowell shows up and is like, I'm here to offer Mystery Incorporated funding, but get Shaggy and Scooby out of here. I don't want them. I don't want those no-talent losers. I mean, it makes, it makes thematic sense. And he's like a, he's like a, a, what is it? A, um, a staple of Scooby-Doo movies by now, isn't he? Is he? I might be thinking of the Shrek movie he showed up in. I think you're thinking of the Swamp Idol or whatever. Shrek American Idol? I don't remember. Maybe. I, (laughs) I thought for sure he was in the, uh, in the Monster Island one, at least. He, you mean the fucking live action one? Yeah. Uh, I can confirm he's not in the live action one because we did also watch the live action Scooby Doo okay. movie. Um, which, by the way, I like that movie actually. Like genuinely, aside from the racist shit in that movie, because there is some racist shit in that movie. Uh. I, I actually genuinely enjoyed it and thought it was fun. Um, by the way, <laughs> just gotta... <laughs> you, have, you, you, have you both seen... Uh, spoilers for the live-action Scooby-Doo movie, I guess. You've both seen this movie, yeah? No? <laughs> well, no, I've, like, I've seen the Monster Island one. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean the live-action one. Yeah. That, the, well, yeah. there's two of them, isn't there? There, there is two of them. Uh, the 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 Monster Island one's the one I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I just I gotta have a shout out to the the scene where Scrappy, uh, first shows up in like the flashback, and like he starts peeing on Daphne, and Fred is like, "Oh, Scrappy, we told you to stop urinating on Daphne," <laughs> as if it keeps happening. <laughs> That's that is the funniest shit to me. It's so stupid. I'm sorry. Our our podcast has transcended time and is now a Scrappy Do Urination podcast. Please know on both counts. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, should we talk about Bleach? Please, let's talk uh, about Bleach. This is it. A watch out. <laughs> Bleach Rewatch Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lily. I'm your co-host, Sam. And Lynn is right, you are not sorry. And I'm your podcast co-host, Shade Lynn. It may not rhyme, but I'm still stuck in hell, so what do you want from me? <laughs> I, I, Lynn is right, I am not sorry. I Listen, I will take any opportunity to talk about Scrappy-Doo peeing that I can. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so, I guess, before we, like, go ahead and get started, uh, we have reached one of our first big argument points, where Sam and I are no longer going to be friends by the end of this episode. Um. No, we did that joke, like, several weeks ago. Yeah, but it, it, this, this is the big one, folks. This is the big one. We don't know that. We haven't even started arguing yet. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, no, the second episode has some things that uh, Sam and I disagree on. We will get there. Uh, I just, I wanted to put that up front at the episode that we may get a little arguey, this one. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I just, I want to make sure everybody is comfortable. I want to make it good. Uh, I, I won't talk about Scrappy-Doo anymore. I, I am legally putting myself on the line right now saying I will not talk about Scrappy-Doo again on this podcast. Thank you. Uh, should we just jump right into it? Let's just jump right into it. Episode 31, The Resolution to Kill. The sun is setting as the battle between Ichigo and Renji continues. We cut back in as Ichigo stands back up from a vicious blow, claiming it to be nothing. Hinatro is amazed he can even remain standing, while Ichigo notes to himself that his vision is blurry and his legs are trembling. Renji takes the opportunity and attacks once more with Zabimaru, but Ichigo dodges last second. This is all stuff we saw, like, last week. Yeah, it's mostly just the the last scene. Although, I am kind of here for Ichigo shit-talking. Like, oh, is that all you got? And there's 11 more of you? Pfft, no problem. It'll be fine. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> meanwhile... Wow, I can barely see him, and I, I have trouble standing up. <laughs> Me and Blades of the Dark with, like, five harm or whatever. <laughs> Renji screams about how Rukia wouldn't be going through all this if not for Ichigo, and continues the assault. Ichigo continues to run and dodge amongst the destruction being caused by Renji, and the two clash in an explosion of force. Hanato thinks it must be impossible to fight a lieutenant after all. Uh, I like this little exclamation. It... It's a pretty quick way of getting Renji's feelings out there that, like, I don't think we knew particularly what he was blaming Ichigo for, like, quite yet. Like, we knew a bit, but, like, it, it it's more explicit that he believes Ichigo is the reason Rukia is in prison. Yeah, what I like about this is that they both think the same thing. Like, Ichigo agrees with him on this. Absolutely. And it just happens to be that it's for, like they have the exact they have the literal same motivation uh, or like starting event, and then it's just that they're both using it to fuel a different motivation. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a really good uh like character driving thing that like really really works for this fight. Uh, and I think it really does add to the tension of not wanting either of these character to like necessarily die or anything it's it's a good bit i i like it uh we cut away immediately to fifth division lieutenant momo hinamori and third division lieutenant izuru kira as momo shows izuru renji's lieutenant badge really quick note last week i was calling them squads that's because last week i was watching the dub and that's what the dub was calling them i am going to try and be more consistent and i'm going to be calling them divisions from now on that's just how i'm going to be doing it i don't care how you do it sam just wanted to be clear what I'm doing, so it's not, like, weird and confusing. Fair warning, um, I may be completely weird and confusing in switching between squad and division each time. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Momo shows Izuru Renji's lieutenant badge, which he found in front of his room after he left the lieutenant meeting early. Izuru asks if the captains are aware, leading Momo to admit that she did not inform anyone, including her own captain, Aizen, as she was unsure of Renji's intentions and did not wish for him to get in trouble. Izuru confirms this is probably the best course of action, and notes that it must be important, as Renji has been worried about Rukia's situation for a while now. He agrees to help look for Renji, and we cut back to the battle. 
I like this little bit of characterization. Uh, it, I don't know, it is a tiny, tiny, tiny thing that I feel like adds, like, enough to, like, be like, ah, so Momo, like, cares for her other, like, lieutenants. She actually wants to just, like, do the right thing. And yeah, like, I appreciate I, that about her. Like, I really like that. Like, there's two There's two things that this scene gives us, right? Like, there's, on the one hand, Momo and Kira both care about Renji enough to say, I don't know what he's doing, and he is very clearly flaunting the rules, but we're not going to report it to our captains just yet. We want to figure out what's happening. We want to get his side of the story first. So I, that's I like, love it. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, Renji took the time to go to his division barracks and not inside his room, in front of his room. So like making sure it would be found, he put down his captain's insignia. And what that tells me is he is not fighting Ichigo as a vice captain. Like he's not fighting because he's a vice captain. He's fighting Ichigo because this is his petty revenge. This is his vendetta. And that's why he's going after Ichigo. And he knows it. So he's like, look, I'm just going to fucking do this. And also, maybe, like, he's turned, like, it also gives a feeling of, like, he's turning in his badge. Like, he, like, he knows that, like, that's he what I was supposed to Like, he's not supposed to do this, so he's like, I'm gonna accept all consequences later, I just need to go do this. Yeah, exactly. It's very much a, I am prepared to lose, like, my position over this. Like, absolutely. And I love that about Renji. It's, like, just a tiny, tiny thing. That, like, says so much about these characters. And, like, that's the kind of shit I want to keep seeing. Absolutely. Uh, we cut back to the fight. And as he retracts Zabimaru, Renji questions if Ichigo truly wishes to save Rukia that badly. Ichigo states simply that he will save her. And an angered Renji strikes down into Ichigo's shoulder, tearing it apart. This blow was terrifying to watch. It's like... Zombie Mario just starts like retracting back, um, but it's like already dug into Ichigo's shoulder, so it just starts like tearing through with the teeth of the blade. And I, like it was at this moment that I like realized just how terrifying of a sword Zombie Mario is. It's so yeah, it's, good. It's like holy shit! You are he is not going to have an arm after this. <laughs> it's fine. He's a soul. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody knows souls don't make sense. Like Lin says, every strike from Zabimaru is, like, pure horror fuel. Because it's, like, it, like, it floats around, it's sick as shit, and, and then he actually hits something, and it's just, like, this big slow-motion explosion of blood, and you're like, oh my god. Also worth saying, uh, these two episodes we watched this week have, like, probably some of the better animation we've seen in this series. Like, they've been, it's been really good. Uh, he tears Ichigo's shoulder apart and reminds Ichigo that Rukia's crimes became more serious when Ichigo, quote, stole her powers, and states that it's Ichigo's fault that she will be killed. Ichigo blocks a strike from Zabimaru and restates that he will save Rukia because it's his fault. Renji retracts Zabimaru and Ichigo mentally notes Renji's limit of three attacks. Um, so yeah, just driving back home, uh, what we were talking about earlier of Ichigo also blaming himself. It's really good character motivation. Uh, really good character motivation for both sides. We flash back to Ichigo's training with Urahara as Urahara goes over attack patterns. And Urahara basically describes that life is a video game. Enemies have a limit of times they can use powerful attacks. With that limit becoming smaller, the more uh, powerful attacks. So, like, 
for example, I believe he uses uh, revolvers have like six bullets, right? And you can fire them six times, but missiles are bigger and you can only fire missiles once. And like, it makes sense. It's fine. Uh, where the video game part comes in is Urahara states that in the heat of battle, everybody's going to be trying to do their most powerful shit all the fucking time. So just watch out for that. And I'm like, all right, it <laughs> doesn't well, like, entirely track, but you do you, I guess. It somewhat makes sense in the context of a like, well, if someone is um, like in a life or death battle, like they're they might not be thinking like, oh, I'm going to, tr- I can attack four times in a row before, like, I have to give my arm a rest, but what if I'll trick him by attacking only twice or only once? Ha ha, hmm, ha hmm, ha ha ha, which is a thing that people do, but potentially it, it he's banking on like, well, nobody's going to do that with Ichigo. They all think he's a friggin' scrub, like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just funny to read that and I'm like, or uh-huh, you know this isn't how this works. Like, you can tell Ichigo that it's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. He's not going into any life or death situations or anything. It's fine. <laughs> um, The concept in question here is that Renji can extend Zombie Maru and attack a total of three times before needing to retract it. I believe the exact math is he can extend into an attack and then attack two more times before he needs to retract Zombie Maru. Which Um, makes sense, because it's like, if if you look at the equivalent of, like, a whip, well, the whip is the same thing, except it's a one. (laughs) You you extend it with the one hit, and then you have to draw it back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a good little bit. Um, he, Ichigo, like, tests this in battle and manages to dodge the three attacks. And he, like, is like, ha-ha, I've got you! And he, like, starts to close in after the third attack. And Renji's like, well, joke's on you. I'm just real fast. And with the retracted zombie Mario, he, like, strikes Ichigo down, like, immediately. The sidestep he makes is so good. It's so good. <laughs> he really just, uh, like, pivots. And he's like, uh, buddy... bitch you thought (laughs) Uh, he reiterates that Ichigo is not good enough to beat him he's in fact like I believe he's just like well the thing is you're slow and I'm not Uh, (laughs) he claims Ichigo can save Ruki he claims Ichigo cannot save Ruki in this state and raises his blade for a final strike and the camera like pans and this, it's like simultaneously cool and kind of weird in the way it pans, but I liked it. Um, so that Ichigo's like behind a rock, like in the camera shot. Uh, and like Renji like strikes down his blade, and there's like a huge cloud of dust, and Ganju screams out. And it's supposed to be like, oh no, Ichigo's dead! But we all know Ichigo's the protagonist. Ichigo's fine, he's not dead. Uh, but we cut to Rukia and then to Yoruichi. Seemingly in response to this powerful surge in energy. Uh, we also cut to Momo and Izuru, who also lead three other Reapers towards the battle when they sense this huge spurt of energy. Uh, we cut right back to the fight at hand, and Ichigo uses Zangetsu to push himself to his feet, while Hanatoro is relieved to see him alive. Uh, Ganji realizes he dodged the blow last second, and Renji comments on Ichigo's stubbornness. We cut back to the flashback as Ichigo yells at Urahara for, quote, trying to kill me with that last attack. He's like, why would you do this? And he's like, well, <laughs> listen, kid, I told you like seven times already. If you're not, if you're not getting better, I'm killing you. So, you know, this is just uh, continuing. Like, compassion? Never heard of her. 
<laughs> Urahara states he's trying to put Ichigo in a corner and points out the chasm in the ground. He wants to push Ichigo until he can use the technique that caused the chasm in the first place, stating that he needs to be able to use it at will. He describes Ichigo's current strength as akin to that of a third or fourth, a third or fourth seat, so he needs such techniques to combat lieutenants or better. Ichigo says it's easier said than done, and he doesn't even remember the technique. Urahara attacks suddenly, and Ichigo narrowly blocks. The two continue to fight, and Urahara keeps reiterating his plan. Ichigo realizes that at this rate, he truly will die if he doesn't do anything. Urahara appears again, and the blow Ichigo dodges causes the ground to crater. He expresses disappointment with Ichigo, and states his blade will only resonate with fear. Ichigo's every move is from fear, but this will not bring him victory. He raises Benahime over his head. The air begins to distort because of Urahara's intense spiritual energy, and Urahara explains that Ichigo should base his actions on the resolve to kill and not let himself or others be killed. He draws attention to Benahime, seeing it as filled with his resolve to kill Ichigo. Ichigo gets to his feet and is like, wait, I get it, and he raises Zangetsu <laughs> over his head and his eyes start glowing blue and the air starts distorting around him. I thought this was kind of silly, but I liked it anyway. Well, it's like, it is a thing, like, because uh, there's a lot of, mar- of uh, martial arts that offer, like, a similar thing. Like, it's not, uh, like, the if you look at the wording that Urahara uses, right, like, he says, the reason he says, hey, you're, the only thing you're thinking about is fear is when you're fighting your opponent, you're scared You're scared that you're going to hurt them. When you're p- trying to protect someone, you're scared that they'll get hurt. And when you're protecting yourself, you're scared that you're going to get hurt. Instead, if you're fighting someone, you try to kill them. If you protect someone, you tell yourself, that person's not going to get hurt. And if you're blocking something, you tell yourself, I'm not going to get hit. And it's like, well, yeah, like blocking someone something to not get hurt and blocking something because you're like i'm i'm no selling this this isn't gonna fucking touch me like those are two different uh mindsets and it comes out like when you're doing movements absolutely i i do appreciate this bit i just when i say i think it was a little silly it's more the fact that Ichigo gets up and he's like wait i understand now and raises zangetsu in one hand above his head i thought that was silly but like oh, yeah. the rest of it it's is, a- is it's really it's, good. It's, like, <laughs> it's when you pick up a new FGC and you're playing with someone who's played a, a while, and then they're like, "Listen, you have <laughs> you can't just play not to lose. You have to play to win." <laughs> and then Listen, when that you gotta start hit confirming. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get that switch, and they're like, "Ah, yes, I have to play to win. I can't just play <laughs> not to lose." So Ichigo's like, mm, "Yes, don't play not I to lose. <laughs> Raise it to the sky. F- f- play to win." <laughs> Uh, his eyes glow blue, and he raises Zangetsu over his head, resulting in the distortion of air around him. As he exerts his spiritual energy, Urahara notes, This will do. And the two clash, causing an explosion of energy, resulting in an X-shaped chasm. Urahara commends Ichigo for finally finding his resolve, and we cut back to the Renji fight. Renji is unnerved by such sudden resolve, and Ganju realizes that Ichigo intends to keep fighting. Hinatra is like, he's completely different before from before. Ichigo apologizes for keeping Renji waiting, and is like, Hey, I have resolve now! He's <laughs> like, yo, eyes... I, for- I forgot how to fight, I just remembered. Hold up, don't worry, sorry. Sorry I was late. 
I thought it was especially funny because I, I I I couldn't help but think back to the Jidamba fight where Ichigo's like, yeah, Urahara didn't teach me shit. And <laughs> this fight, Ichigo's like, wait, I just remembered. Urahara taught me shit. <laughs> Look, he repressed those memories with good reason. The man was trying to murder him. <laughs> he is a child. Uh, <laughs> it's very good. Uh, his eyes glow blue again. <laughs> Sorry, that's so stupid. His eyes glow blue again, and Renji is in shock, recalling something similar during their fight in the human world, but concludes this as different, since Ichigo is now calmly controlling his power. He sends out Zabimaru, but Ichigo calmly dodges and blocks another attack as he lands behind Renji. Zabimaru is shattered, and Renji's chest is deeply wounded, as Ichigo lets out a uh, Gatensho. But most importantly... Renji's headband is once again destroyed. The man just can't... Ren- this is the real reason he's mad at Ichigo. All of his fashion <laughs> just gets completely wrecked. How uh, expensive do you think those headbands are? I like to think he makes them himself. I'm Actually, sorry, I think he does mention that... The, I think he... I, I said that I think he... I like to think he make, does them himself, but I think the uh, 12th Division actually, like... I think he specifically mentions previously that the 12th Division had made his other one. Um... <laughs> Also, like, Ichigo jumps in the air, and then uh, when Zabimaru comes by, he, like, barrel rolls out of the way. <laughs> Which, we like, we know, we are, we are aware that Soul Reapers can, like, stand on air, and we've seen Ichigo do it a lot, and he's even had someone, like, tell him about the skill itself. So it's, like, it's not, like, out of the realm of how these fights are happening is just so weird to see a just completely grounded fight. And then suddenly he's jumping in the air and able to <laughs> barrel roll out of the way. Like he, he, do- he dodge rolls. <laughs> he just dodges really rolls. He dodge rolls to the left. God. Urahara <laughs> distant voice says, Lin, Ichigo, do a barrel roll. <laughs> Press X to find your resolve. Double tap L to do a barrel roll. <laughs> Congratulations, you have completed the tutorial, boss. <laughs> Renji is sent flying back and crashes into rubble, realizing that Ichigo finally got him. He notices Zabimaru has been broken and recalls Ichigo's statement of finding his resolve. He thinks about the pain he's in and how heavy his body is. He coughs up some blood and screams as he thinks of Rukia, ending the episode. I it's actually really so like this. It's so good. I actually really like this to be uh, to be continued shot where he screams and then says Rukia's name, and then we get like a shot of Rukia, but it's like facing front and like a light just floods right over her. It's just like a really quick thing, but I thought it was really good. And it's just like, ah, oh, what are we gonna learn next episode? God, it's such like it's good shit. Like it's just good shit. This was a really good episode. Like it, it's mostly fighting, but it's interspersed with some like really, really minor character stuff that like works really well. And then it's interspersed with some flashbacks that are pretty cool. And the animations are pretty good for what we've been seeing from Bleach. Uh, it's the first time in a few weeks I can say I was fully entertained by Bleach. So that's saying something. Yeah, it's just overall it was like a it was a really good episode. Like it's it's bleach when it's doing good. And I'm glad exactly. I'm, I'm hoping we get more of them. Like it's good good episode. I'm uh, hoping so too. 
a quick run through the ending sequence this time is the second captain and her vice captain who i don't think we've seen i don't think we've gotten either of their names um and the captain fights a black woman that we haven't met in the show yet either and but the pair are definitely like kicking off walls jumping acrobatically like it's good good fighting stuff but we basically just see that and the manga chapter stuff is like for both of these episodes there's like five or six little differences in the manga but each one it's like it's like a small change that it kind of feels weird to cut because they're all like oh it's like a it's a one sentence thing or it's like a very small um it's like a very small change that adds like a little bit of detail and it makes like it on the one hand it feels like it makes sense to cut because it's not like necessary but then on the other hand there's like I, I feel like there's a scene that you could have cut or like a conversation that you could have cut shorter instead of cutting those little sequences. So the first one is when Ichigo is like weak at the start, he specifically mentions, I lost too much blood versus Akaku. I'm not coming into this fight at 100%. And it's like, oh, right. He got cut like real bad. <laughs> like he got real bad. He got hurt real bad. Uh when momo says that like oh she's not even telling aizen not that aizen would be rough on reggie like not that he wouldn't be fair but she still thinks that it's a good it's a better reason it's a better thing to like get reggie's side first it's such a small detail but that it's like why wouldn't you just include this absolutely yeah, uh, and the, in the same conversation with momo uh, kira adds that like, he mentions that the reason it's weird that the badge is off is because they were explicitly ordered to wear their badges a couple of episodes ago. Like, we had that scene with Iba and Renji walking, and both of them are like, man, that's weird. They never tell us, make sure you wear your badge. But in here, like, Kira's like, yeah, he'll get in trouble because they were told we were told to wear a badge. Don't worry, I'll look for Renji, and I'll make sure my captain doesn't find out. <laughs> and I'll make sure Gin doesn't find out. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's that's not nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and then the Can last... Can just cha- state that we love Izuru Kira on this show? Because I love Izuru Kira so much. I love his hair. I, I Like, it's I love so his good. stupid square bang. It's great. I love him. And then the, on- the only big change is... At the- so, at the end of the fight, in the anime, the way it works out is, like... We, we see, like, the big... Uh, the big explosion from Renji's slice, and then like Ichigo's, I like it, it's it's kind of like weird whether he blocked it or whether it missed, <laughs> or whether Ichigo like jumped back. It's like not super, um, well telegraphed on that mind. And then there's like another little sequence where uh, Ichigo attacks and jumps up and does the the hit in the manga. The the blow happens. Ichigo catches it barehanded with one what? hand. He like he grabs the like the 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 biggest blade, the tip of Zabimaru. He just grabs it with his hand, like right on the blade. <laughs> he just fucking no sells it, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he stands up and immediately is in like resolve mode, essentially. And Renji like has no time to react. He jumps backwards before he lands. Ichigo just straight up jump, jumps forward, br- swings, breaks the sword, and, and like, Renji's hit. That's sick, what the fuck? Like, Renji doesn't even have time to jump backwards and try for another attack. It's just immediate, like... Like, he he sees the, blo- the, the hit is blocked, 
he jumps backwards because he's like, oh god, I need to do something. And as soon as he starts extending Zapimaru, Ichigo just cuts right through it and slices Renji's chest. And you're like, oh god <sighs> damn. <laughs> it's, That's so sick. It's so brutal. And you're like, okay, that was intense. But I guess they had like a, they they wanted, they needed more time. They need to fill out a little bit more time. So that's why they had like Ichigo jump up, do the spin. That makes sense. Before we get into the next episode, because I don't want to, like, just, like, bog it down, uh, I'll ask my important question now. Do soulfish exist? I... I have a, a mention of that in my notes. <laughs> because... <laughs> I just, I, we have a lot to talk about next episode, and I didn't want to, like... I didn't want to just, like, interrupt in the middle of the episode and be like, Ah, there are fish here in Soul Society. What are the implications of this? Don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop my I'm going to stop my notes cold and talk about because it implies it like there's a lot of things that it implies and unfortunately <laughs> the re the real answer to all the questions that are going to be brought up is it doesn't fucking matter. Bleach's world building falls completely apart when you look too closely at it. That's just yeah, that the answer that we're that we have uh which is a shame but you know we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it yeah there's there's a lot of inconsistencies with what we've been told next episode and i'm just like okay i'll enjoy i'll enjoy it <laughs> let's fucking talk about soulfish next episode uh all right let's get to a five minute break <laughs> So we're coming back in with episode 32, Stars and the Stray. The episode opens with Renji taking the final blow of the fight from last time. His defeat presented not as a triumph, but as a tragedy. Falling to his knees, he believes he sees Rukia standing on the battlefield, and while flashing through multiple memories of her, he reaches out, blaming himself for not having gone after her in the past. We enter a flashback, Renji's narration reminding us that Rukungai districts are numbered from 1 to 80 out of... And it's basically, like, their level of quality of life. <laughs> With, like, yeah. number one being, like, the good one, the good suburb. And then he was over in seventy in District 78, which was, like, the, the slums of the slums, I suppose. Isn't it called, like, Hanging Dog? Like, his particular district. Like, I believe he said his district was, like, nicknamed Hanging Dog. Correct? Uh, potentially. I missed that. Uh, what he does tell us is he was a part of a group of street urchins, and we see his gang steal water from a merchant after tying his leg to a table, which, honestly, like, that was a re that's a really good trick. Like, it's a really cool little, like, little cool trick to show. Because um, basically, like they they distract him by talking near him. One of them goes under the table, ties his le ties his ankle to the leg of the table, and then all of them just grab his shit <laughs> and they start running. Uh, but then he starts chasing them uh, and tries to beat them with with a stick. Uh, and he follows them real far. And just as one of the group is about to give up, a young Rukia shows up and beats the shit out of him. 
and leads the kids away. <laughs> like, everybody's they immediately They let Rukia like, fight! Everybody's immediately like, Rukia is so cool. And I'm sitting in my chair being like, God damn, Rukia is so cool. Rukia is so cool. They let her fight! They did it! They let Rukia fight! Like, like we've mentioned every time before, when the show lets Rukia fight, it's the best part of the show. It's so good. She, like, stomps on his face, like, 20 times. It's really funny. Yeah, like, she it's... she trips him, then she jumps on his head, and then when he tries to push his head up, she's just like, no, 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 I'm just gonna, like, kick you a million times. It's fine. I'm just gonna do a little tap dance on your face here. <laughs> she leads the kids to a safe house full of a bunch of other kids, and Renji gives her candy since she helped their score. And But that's interrupted by a bigger kid who's making one of the smaller kids cry, and we learn, after Rukia just takes out the big kid, like, no no sweat, uh, we learn that even those who don't need to eat because they don't have any spiritual power still want to eat because they can taste and they can smell. Rukia gives her candy to the small kid and then just goes outside and Renji's like, man, she was so incredibly different than the rest of us. She spoke like a boy. She was incredibly dainty and delicate. God... I'm like, all right, like, little Renji is very clearly crushing on her as he, like, and he even mentions how, what, like... What gave no, it away? Was it the blushing? Like, there was the blushing, and also, no matter what she did, there was an air of refinement around her. Later, like, th- this entire episode is basically just a whole bunch of, like, little scenes. Uh, so we skip to a scene where all the kids are running around, and then Rukia stops holding her stomach, and then ignores it and keeps running after the group. Uh, we get just, like, a little quick shot of adults complaining that, ah, this guy's gonna become a Soul Reaper! Good for him! We'll never become Soul Reapers! And then everyone in the street is celebrating a young man who is leaving Rukungai to go, and he's, like, wearing uh, Shinigami robes. And then Rukia just, like, falls over. Like, (laughs) she just falls in the street, and the guy's like, oh, whoa, hold on. Like, here's, have some food. (laughs) Rukia tries to deny it, but he's like, no, it's fine. Like, come on, kids. Like, I like if you have a small amount of power and you, like, sense my power, that's going to immediately make yours, like, react, I guess. Uh, so it's like, it's fine. Just take my food. Yeah, are we sure this man was Byakia? Like, at first. Like, I don't know if that's the case. But, I was, I was, like, I was pretty sure this was Byakia? No. Definitely not. Let me let me let me check to see if we get any information on this really quick. Bleach episode thirty two. Just because I want to be accurate. Also, like, I t- double checked, and uh, yes, it is called uh, the the name of the district. It roughly is called Inuzuri, which roughly translates to howling dog. Uh, but Viz calls it hanging dog. Jesus. Um. um because the the thing the read that I was understanding is that he is the one who is being promoted to Soul Reaper and leaving Rukungai. Like Byakuya is a noble. Yeah. The, I think the reason uh like I was like confused about the framing here was because uh of the uh of the like uh cart that they were all looking at that was like super fancy. I was like, "Oh, does Byakuya just have like a fancy cart?" Uh, but no, you're right. It it just says a man they know becoming a, sh- a shinigami. So, yeah, no, you, you're you're right. I just wanted to make sure they they just look kind of similar. So I was like, mm. hmm. We move forward in time again, and we see Renji and Rukia having mastered the ability to create balls of light. Uh, like Renji makes us a little one, and then Rukia like 
And he's like, ah, just giving like a full anime power up scene. And then he makes like a fist sized ball. And then Rukia's like sitting on a post being like, <laughs> and she pulls out her hand and makes it a, like a head sized ball. Like no problem. <laughs> yeah, that that's a fucking uh, Yoderichi energy. Uh, Rukia look right there. That's Yoderichi <laughs> energy right there. That it is. Uh, th- like both, all of their friends though, they're just like, Man, we're so happy you get to be Soul Reapers. And Rukia's like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm going to be here with you guys. It's fine. Like, I'm not going to... We're not going to leave you guys behind. We never would do that. Ever. We would never do that. Another time skip. And then we see the pair hunting in the river for fish. Which, here's where we have to... Here's where I'm just going to list a couple of questions that we know there's no answer to. Because there's just no answer to it. But... Why are there ghost fish? Are they ghosts of fish? Are they something else taking the form of, go- of ghost fish? What happens when a soul eats a ghost fish? Because Sam. <laughs> Sam, Sam, Lynn, I have a very important question. Are there fish soul reapers? Oh my god. <laughs> How else are you going to farm for soul points? No, Aiden was watching this episode with me, and I brought up this question immediately as soon as we started seeing the fish. And it's like, how does this work? Is it like also Lily? If a fish, <laughs> three if a words fish dies. <laughs> Mermaid soul reapers. Oh my god, you've busted it! You know what? This is. You know what? There, there's gotta Don't be. Don't judge my wording, Aiden. Okay. There's there's got to be a mermaid somewhere in the series, like in a, in like a fill or somewhere, somewhere, like somewhere. There's got to be at least one, right? Of course, it's going to be in the Australian Soul Society side series. <laughs> in the Australian, the Australian Bleach spinoff, we're going to get mermaid soul reapers. That's what's going to happen. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Going back to the kids, uh, so everyone's just, like, hunting in the river for fish, and then all the boys remember romance when they see Rukia picking up a flower, and Renji just immediately gets jealous and starts scolding all of his friends, and narrator Renji calls this a dirty town full of dirty people living dirty lives, and that there's only one way to escape, which is a hell of a way to describe the place you lived in. Yeah... We cut to ten years later, where, like, late teen slash young adult? Who can say? Bleach doesn't care. Uh, Rukia tells him that they should become Soul Reapers and live in the Seirete. And then we pull back and see that the rest of their friends are dead. And this this scene is so fucking sad. Because both of them were like, we could be Soul Reapers, but no, 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 no. We're gonna stay here, we'll be with you forever, It's, it's gonna be fine. And then everyone they knew died. Is this where you'd like to talk about uh, what you thought about what you thought about this, or would you prefer to wait till the end of the episode? Um, I guess we can do it now. Um, so my problem with the framing of this in particular lies with the fact uh, that it, it, in particular, it feels like egregious to me to frame like a poor district as like the most violent place. Like, uh, it doesn't. Exactly, like, I'm, I'm trying to find the words for this. I, 
it doesn't necessarily go, oh, poor people are bad automatically. It, it is more, this district is extremely poor, and the people in it are all delinquents and criminals and thieves and are violent and murderers. And, like, I don't have a problem with a district being violent. It's more the fact that they make explicitly clear that this is one of the poorer districts. And it's like the fact that we in soul society, we've got a very, very capitalist society in the afterlife and they feel the need to paint the poor district as being like the violent one that rubs me the wrong way. Um, I, I get where Renji and Rukia are coming from in their decision to become soul reapers here. It makes sense for their character. However, it also like rubs me the wrong way of, ah, let's go live in a nice place where everything's good, where the rich people are. And it doesn't really seem like it, it it's hard to seem like Bleach is really, really trying to engage with how bad the poor district is rather than using it as a backdrop for why Rukia and Renji wanted to become soul reapers. If that makes sense. I don't think like the, one of the thing though, is that I don't think like we're, we're describing it as like the poor district and the not poor district, but I think it would be more accurate. Like, I don't think any of these districts have money. Like there's shops. So there's like some economy potentially, um, but we know that it's the, like, it's the standard of living, but what I assumed it was is, this is the most violent one, and that's why it's getting number 78, because it is the, the more violent one, and not the other way around, whereas it, where it got number 78, it's the shitty one, and then that also ends up making it the more, vi- the more violent and dangerous one. Don't they, like, explicitly say that, like, it is... Like, one of the poorer districts, though? Like, they explicitly say, like... They use the term standard of living. Okay. Uh, But they don't describe... They don't mention if that's, like... It's a bad standard of living because all the murderer souls are there. Like, they don't really go into it. I think suggesting that, like, monetary gain isn't a thing in soul society is a little strange. Um, Just because, like... We, we see shops. Like, we see people trying to sell shit, including the person, like, the merchant they stole candy from. Um, it... And that's not me, like, calling you out. It's just, like, I, I'm... I struggle to see it as anything other than being framed as this is one of the poor districts. Well, I think... Uh, like, like I, I think the thing is, they're all poor districts. Like, I think all everything that's not Seirete is dirt poor, is I think the... is how I, I uh, understood their, like, world building. I think we definitely got, like, different, uh, different contexts there. Um, Lynn, what are you saying? Let me uh, double check on. Yeah, I do want to men- uh, pull out the quote that Lynn uh, got here, which is, it's a thing that Renji says about the district itself. It's just every adult is either a scoundrel or a murderer. Every kid is a stray dog. We bonded together because we were kids who wanted a family, but this place, this town was no place for us. Uh, which kind of, like, it makes me feel of the way that DC wants Gotham to feel like. Yeah. In a sense where they're like, the city itself 
is just misery and pulls people down into misery and people are going to like fight against that and maybe make a life but really the the city is misery yeah i i do want to be like explicitly clear here and i'll, I'll let lynn finish the sentence right after this um i do want to be explicitly clear here that i do really think this makes sense for rukia and renji and i do like that this is where they decide to become soul reapers uh that's not at all like my issue with it 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 just feels very weird to me that like this is so painted as like the violent place when it's one of the worst quote-unquote ranked places of the rukon guy yeah that's exactly what i got lynn lynn says i i took the scale as number one is this is the best you can get in rukon guy and the lower you get is the worse you get and there's the implication that the poorer the district is the worse it is that is exactly what i took from it like that is it's essentially the same understanding that i took from it the exception being that the um i think the violence angle affects the ranking yeah uh lynn says there is an intention there that violence is tied to poverty uh and that that's that that was my take as well yeah i think that's absolutely a fair i think that's 100 percent a fair read uh most likely we're putting more thought into this thing that uh Kubo did. Then Kubo did. Uh, he probably he probably <laughs> didn't think about like what the just, state of the ah, world yes, the... means. Uh, so I think it's it's probably fair to say that like he uh, he like unintentionally or perhaps like perhaps on purpose is implying that yeah the the more poor areas are more violent. Um, yeah, that that is your right, Lynn. That it is a common belief, a too common belief, that below the poverty line uh, districts get more violent, etc um yeah no uh honestly this was a lot less painful of a discussion than i was expecting with how opposing sides we seem to be i i um yeah no i i think it's definitely something to talk about i i definitely agree that i i just don't think kubo thought this through um which i think could be said for a lot of his writing especially down the line um but uh yeah no like again i i like I like Renji and Rukia here. I understand why they made the decision they made. Uh, I I just really, really wish... I, I wish that it hadn't been the violence is tied to poverty. Like, the the take that it gave. Yeah. Well, we can move on. Alright. Uh, we join the pair at Soul Reaper Academy among the spoiled brats of noble families. And all of them look down on the pair for, quote, lacking common sense and basically just being poor. Uh, we get a quick, like, between classes interaction where Renji's like, I, I don't have time to chat with you, Rukia. I've got special promotion class. And she's like, wait, look, you in, like you embarrassed yourself in class, but I like it when you're enthusiastic. Keep it up. It's very good. Uh, I actually really love Renji here. Uh <laughs> It, he just, he I, just I, wants to learn. Like, he genuinely is like, yo, I'm super interested in this academia bullshit. L- like, let me participate. God. It, it's so... I I love Renji. Let, let me just state, I love Renji. Renji is so good. I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that out there. Fair enough. Uh, like, Rukia also tells him that, like, no, like it's fine if other people don't get us because they cannot underestimate they cannot understand our reality 
and narrator Renji mentions the massive gap between them and the nobles. And then we immediately cut to Renji rushing through the halls to talk to Rukia because he's proud of having passed his second exam, only to realize that he's, like, running into Byakuya talking to her and, like, basically just interrupting a meeting that she had with a bunch of nobles. And they're just like, we expect a favorable answer. And leave. <laughs> and Renji's like, wow, this felt like he's, Byakuya walks next to him and he's like, wow, he is so strong. His spiritual pressure is so powerful. I can't look him in the eye. Like, that's how strong think, he is. I think this is another reason I was, like, sure that guy earlier with the cart was Byakia, because it was the same sort of deal, where it's like, ah, his spiritual pressure, it's so strong. Mm, but Yeah, I, I can see the, uh, I can see the connection there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was certain that, like, it was Byakia earlier, but, yeah, no. That, Lin says, I'm sure that scene was just introducing the concept, and yeah, I agree there. Yeah. After the nobles leave, uh, Renji like tries to lighten the mood, and Rukia just says, like, the Kuchiki family wants to adopt me, and they'll make arrangements to have her graduate and get into the 13, the 13 court guard divisions immediately. And she looks really sad. Like, she looks so sad, and Renji's like faking being excited and jealous and he's going on about how great and wonderful it is and she just grabs his arm sheds a tear and runs away yeah it's it's a very good miscommunicated moment because like you can lynn lynn says here even classic case of miscommunication it's a very good miscommunicated moment where you can tell Rinji wants to be supportive of her, so, like, he puts on a brave face, and he's like, Oh, that's great! I'm so jealous of you! Like, that's amazing! You should say yes! You should do this! Um, and, like, he's really excited for her, but, like, Rikia's not happy, and, like, we're, we're to take from this that Rikia's not happy because it means she'll be separated from Renji, yeah? Her last, like, Yeah, like, that's, one, that's 100% the, uh... Because she's, like, she's lost everyone else in her family, and now she's gonna, like, abandon Renji. Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's really good. It's, like, some of the best character work we've seen in this series. Like, I, I don't feel, like, I don't feel wrong saying that. It is straight up some of the best character work we've seen in this series this episode. Um, but, uh... Yeah, no, Renji, like, puts on a brave face, and he he's like, I'm going to support you because this is the right thing to do. And after she leaves, he is, like, kind of distraught for a second because he's like, did I misunderstand? Should I not have done that? Yeah, but, uh, he's, he's like, maybe I shouldn't have? No, like, clearly, I would have dragged her down. Like, he, as soon as she's not looking at him, like, his enthusiasm and cheer is entirely gone. And narrator Renji cuts in to tell us that he was telling himself at the time, she's found a path to happiness. I can't interfere. I have to let her go. I have to make sure I'm not keeping her, like, dragging her down with me. I need to make sure that she's moving forward and being happy. And the the, the screen is also doing, like, this incredibly cinematic, like, fading. And you're just like, oh my god, this is so sad! I need more of this. I need more of these, like, cinematic fades. Uh, I loved it, like, back several epi episodes ago when Ichigo was training with Urdahara. I loved it here. I need more of this. Bleach 2021, if you don't have more of this, you're cancelled. <laughs> so, like, Lynn mentions that, and then they never talked about it. And I'm like, I think that's true. I think 
they don't I'm not certain that Renji talked to Rukia after this moment. I'm not either, and that that hurts. It, it's it's also like in this moment, and this is like I like this is going against everything the person who wants everybody in anime to be like gay and happy. Uh this is the moment where I'm like, wow, Rinji loved her, like, actually, like, loved her, like, not just, like, as a family member, but, like, more than that, and wanted to see her happy so much that he was willing to, like, sacrifice his own happiness, like, for her. And I'm like, oh my god, that hurts my heart. They're both bicons, you're right. Lynn is right. right. Yeah, like, this entire interaction is just, like, gut-wrenching and i'm like when's the last time there was an interaction this sad oh right it also involved rukia and renji because it's when renji and byakuya were taking rukia back to soul society rukia really is like the heart of the show honestly do you think that like do you straight up think the first time rukia and renji talked was like when he came to like bring her back to soul society like i'm thinking it might be like, oh, oh, because we know that he's re- he was a recent uh, addition to Byakuya's squad, and mm. he only became a vice captain after she left. It also makes the fact that he's like Byakuya's lieutenant that much worse. <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Oh, uh, so back in the present, Renji says that back then he was just scared calling himself a stray dog down to his bones and forcing himself to stand up. He's a stray who barks at the stars, but doesn't have the guts to jump. Somehow, he pushes his body enough to grip onto Ichigo's collar, telling him that it's his fault that Rukio was imprisoned. And every time he thought about it, his blood boiled, but he wasn't really angry at Ichigo. He was angry at himself for not stopping Rukia back then. He didn't tell her to join the nobles so she would become a criminal, he was he was certain he was genuinely certain that she would be happy and ever since he wanted to surpass Byakuya but he was never able to beat him it convinced him that he could never use strength to get Rukia back Ichigo is shocked as Renji swallows his pride and begs him to save Rukia breaking down in tears as the sad music swells the episode- this is how you write a character the episode ends with Ichigo act- accepting the task soberly, and the words, I shall put that unreachable fang in flames, so that I need not look at that star, so that this throat will not be torn apart. Oh, it's so good. So good! Like, it's such, like, a good moment, and Ichigo is like, shit. I get, like, I, I get it, guy. I get it. <laughs> I'm not, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I wasn't sure I was gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it. This is the best moment we have had in Bleach so far. Straight up. I'm I'm putting my foot down. That's where it is. This is the best moment we've reached in the show thus far. And And, like, on Ichigo's side, it's like, oh, Renji is literally me. Like, Renji also blames himself. He blames himself as much as I blame myself. Except Renji had the, like implacable strength of Byakuya proven to him on multiple occasions and he came to the conclusion that he can't win her like he can't save her through strength whereas Ichigo hasn't had that experience yet 
and Renji's like, look, I don't care anymore. Like, just fucking save her, please. I just, I want, I want Renji to be okay. I, I, I want everybody to be okay. I do want to read the, um, the version of the quote that Lin wrote because it's a more, it's a better, like, English translation than the one that I have. Uh, because mine is like a little, I like abstract. Uh, yeah, go for but it. But the version that Lin put is, I will light a fire on this fang that falls short so that I may never see the light of that star so that my throat will not tear itself apart. Mm. Which is more directly like, re- basically a Renju poem saying like, yo, I've got to do something because otherwise I'm going to fucking destroy myself screaming. It's so good. It is a good thing. It's... It's incredible. This is, like, this is the Bleach I remember loving. Like, absolutely. This is, like, we're in it. We're in it. Bleach is good sometimes. Like, this is yeah. this is what, what I remember. Like, I, I want more of this. I hope we get more of this. Yeah, like, it's definitely, like, Bleach at its, at its like, highest, I think, is the... This, like, very emotional breakdown that Renji has is, like, some of the best writing the show has. I'm reading- I'm just reading Lin's interpretation of Renji's actions and, like, crying inside because it's making me feel so much. I'm going to stop myself. I can't do anything, so I'm going to forget about saving Rukia through the system's rules so that I don't, in a way, kill myself with this guilt of doing nothing. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, like, exactly what Renji is doing. And it's like, damn, that's some good shit. God, guys, Renji, Rukia is his star. Yeah, yeah, no, y'all, it's mm. guys. Renji's a good character. Can, can can we just say that like thoroughly? Renji is a good character. Rukia is a good character. I wish, I wish we got more of Rukia being a good character. But oh man, they're good characters. Yeah, Ichigo's like- a good character. Renji and Rukia are good fucking characters. When you think about it, the uh, ratio of on-screen time to being a good character is incredibly high for both Renji and Rukia. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, although a lot of Rukia's screen time lately has been her staring, like, upsettingly through a window. Like a tiny window. True. <laughs> yeah, her, her ratio is taking a hit. <laughs> we gotta keep track of the ratio. <laughs> oh, man. We did get baby Rukia as a compensation. It's it's good. Uh, oh, the, so the ending cinematic this time is the one black captain and Mr. 69 himself. And Nice. The the only thing of import in that in that section, I think, is like we see Shuhei watching fireworks and then he gets surprised because three of the female vice captains show up to watch with him. And I'm like, damn, Shuhei must be popular, like <laughs> or he just actually hangs out with his vice captains is also the other uh, explanation. I I love the ending bits of the vice captains hanging out together when that happens. It's very good. Yeah, like a lot a lot of the vice captains like part part of it, you know, is that we haven't seen them fight, so we don't know like they haven't revealed their abilities and whatever. Uh but it is cool that the scenes that we are getting are like, oh, this person is get is hanging out with these people, and oh, this one's like giving them candy or whatever. Yeah, no, I I like the I like the ending themes so much. Like, I I really like all these different captains and vice captains. Like, it's I 
I did think the Shuhei stuff in this ending theme was a little strange aside from the, uh, aside from the, like, you know, like, fireworks scene and stuff, because, I don't know, the action shots we got of him were just him running. Yeah, like, he doesn't do anything, <laughs> because I don't think he draws a sword for, like, another 200 chapters or something, or 200 episodes, but... This is very much, we don't know what he does, we don't know what he does, but we need an action scene, let's show him running towards the camera. Yeah, like, as far ahead as the, as the manga was from the anime at this time, they're like, we don't fucking know what this guy is. <laughs> Who is this man? <laughs> Whatever. He's hanging out with the with the ladies. It's very good. Uh, as far as uh, manga differences go, it's it's another case of like there's a lot of like really tiny changes. Like, and, well, there's tiny changes, and then there's like a lot of like there's pacing differences. Like, it mentions, for example, that. It's not that there's 80 Rukungai districts, is that each of the four quarters are divided into 80 districts. Okay. Uh, huh. And also they introduce Rukia and Renji having spirit powers, like, incredibly early. It's like, here's a page of Rukia's intro, how she talks like a boy, but is naturally elegant. And then literally the next thing is, oh, also, Renji and Rukia were, like, naturally gifted and had really good powers. You know, I just realized something, and I, I, I don't think I need to expand on this, but I just realized Renji and Rukia are, like, they don't appear to age until their friends are dead. Like, I, I don't know what this implies, I'm just realizing this, and I'm like, hmm, I, I, I mean, I know there was a time skip, it's just, hmm. And it is a ten year time skip. It, like that time skip is a 10 year time skip but it's also like okay. we, we again fall into like how the fuck do souls age like <laughs> God, bleach, oh, because man. bleach does not a- ever answer this question um uh the like the chapter's pace on like because the previous episode was two three chapters this one was one chapter and it is incredibly blistering pace because the fir- like in four pages we get the entirety of the kid arc oh wow and then at the at the end of the fourth page, there's a single panel where Renji's like, oh yeah, we were talented and rose through the ranks and nobles hated us. And then it's immediately the scene of Rukia meeting the aristocrats. <laughs> like, we basically just skip fucking everything to go directly to, like, the really big feel scene. That doesn't seem nearly as effective. Uh, and then we get, like... Before, like right before Renji starts being like, "That's great, that's amazing, that's really cool," Rukia starts talking. She's like, "Renji, I don't," and then he interrupts her to tell her how excited he is. No, <laughs> no, like, no, that's even more sad. No, and uh, one other detail is that in the manga, the translation that Viz uses is that he bark. It's not that he barks at the moon because... It's not that he barks at the stars because he can't reach it. It's that he barks at the moon. And the reason I bring this up is that that, uh, both Byakuya and Rukia further down the line have a lot of imagery tied to the moon. Uh, I assume that the word... I assume that the word used here is kind of like heavenly body or something. Um, And that's why they ended up going with stars. But further down the line, I know that both of them have... um, the, like, the pair of them are both associated to the moon as far as, like, thematics and imagery. So, I think it's just cool to mention that, yeah, in the manga, he says he barks at the moon. 
because uh, and he doesn't dare like reach it because he know like he barks at it because he knows that he wouldn't his fang would never reach it. Also, it goes without saying the fact that his district is called Hanging Dog or Howling Dog, depending on your translation, uh, really fits into all the wolf stuff and dog stuff that Renji's going on about. It's good. Yeah, he st- he still considers himself a stray dog. Uh, because and it's like oh does that mean that he's not comfortable in soul society because he considers himself a stray that's like outside of their community oh <laughs> oh my feelings god i i can't get enough of renji i'm i'm excited to see more of him i i love renji uh renji good renji good so you think that Momo and Kira are, like, super attached to Reggie because they see that he's got, like, all this guilt and self-loathing, and then they try to, like, cheer him up with surprise birthday cakes? I do think this, yes. I think... I think it makes a lot of sense for the lieutenants to be closer to each other than than they are to, like, each other's captains, obviously. Uh, I, I actually kind of love that. Like, I love the idea that, like, even though, like, for example, Aizen doesn't see Renji you know, for several years. I love I love the idea that maybe the lieutenants like have like normal meetings and actually meet up with each other. I think yeah, that like, would be it, lovely. It would make sense. Like if you think of it as like a big command structure, it would make sense if the le- like maybe the leaders meet with each other, but they don't like they're not gonna go talk to the like the other members in the, each other's cells. But maybe the vice captains also meet with each other to be like, here's a bunch of stuff that we know won't get mentioned at the uh, captain's meeting, but could be interesting for other squads to be aware of that kind of stuff. Like it just, it makes sense on an organizational point. Yeah. It's good. I, I, mm, I, I want, I want a filler episode where all the lieutenants are just being buds. That's, that's my wish for bleach that that's all I want. Yeah, I'm sure there's. But, I'm sure there's a few. Th- th- that's my only wish. Uh, if if we get that one filler episode, uh, I will. I will concede that Bleach is indeed good. I know for a fact that there are filler epi- There are many filler episodes that involve the the vice captains. Maybe not all of them at the same time, uh, but I know that like some of them end up showing up more. So I'm excited to get to those. I- I'm excited too. Uh, we should probably go ahead and wrap up. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause, and you can find the show at BleachCast on Twitter. You can also email the show with any questions or comments or feedback or anything. Uh, we still have not received any email, which is, it's fine. Um, at IWO at Bleach... I, I fucked that up. At IWO BleachCast at gmail.com. You can find me at Twitter at SSBSLJ. You can find me on Instagram at lot underscore lake. That is L-O-T-E underscore lake. God, uh, I hope Bleach continues to be good. Uh, let's, let's do this. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to bring back for this one just because, you know, I, it feels good to do it. Stay cool, chads. And remember, commitment is a strong word. And, you know, so that my throat will not tear itself apart.